part of our worship service. One of Carrie's favorite stories and one of her favorite ministries, uh, maybe even when you think of, of Jack and Carrie, you think of one particular ministry that comes to mind, pops in the head, it's Emmaus, right? And so if you will, and this was already in my notes before I knew any of this, it's because the one who <laughs> I try to listen to for my notes uh, already knew this morning that a dear friend of ours would, would be in his arms. And he has called Carrie Lawrence to be with him. And, um, but this was certainly one story that she could recount to you. And that she would be glad to tell you about because the next thing she'd tell you is to sign up for Emmaus, right or wrong? Right. Anybody with me? I mean, if you don't uh, know what badgering someone is, you should have known this lady because she could do it. She could get it done. Um, and she did for many of you. And for many of you, you're thankful that you listened to her. And so I want to read this story that we find post-resurrection, and it's, it, Luke's the only one who records it, um, and it's, it's really a fascinating story, and as you know, uh, in fact, we are in a series right now called Long Story Short, and today is Jesus. Uh, so really, <laughs> you know, uh, it's always a great topic and an easy one to preach about, right? Um, but what we've covered so far in this series, because I know that some of our kids haven't been, been with us in this, but it's really neat because it's basically the whole Bible, just imagine this, the whole Bible in six simple movements. You start with creation, and then you go to the fall, then you go to Israel, and then to Jesus, then the church, and then the new creation, which is really a summary of the whole Bible. It's a short story form of the whole Bible. And, and today, when I, when I read this text, you'll see uh, a very powerful story in the life of Jesus. As I said, at the very end of a gospel here, which is the gospel of Luke. <clears throat> and next week, we're going to cover the church. And I told you, next week is our Mission Sunday. And we've been announcing that we have some special missionaries that are coming in to be with us on that day. We really didn't tell anybody who it was. Because it was a surprise. And it was Jack and Carrie. And they've been preparing with me. On a sermon, they were doing the sermon next week. I'll be very very interested to know what they already have planned because I saw their notes on the table this morning as I was leaving his house. I don't know if Jack will be even able to, to do it or not. We're not that far along yet. But, but they were going to share next week in our, in our series. They were our missionaries because they are our missionaries. Missionary doesn't mean traveling all over the world. It means first traveling around your world right here. Then you can go around the world. 
you're not doing it here, why in the world would you load up and go somewhere else and try to do it? And that's what their life shows. That's what her life shows. And it will continue to show right here in our hearts, in our minds. Remember that in this, the context of this, the disciples, you remember, are grieving. They've just lost their Lord, Jesus, terribly, murdered, accused of things he didn't do. That very day, two of them were going, this is Luke 24, 13, forgive me. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other. This is probably a married couple, by the way. Which is, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And notice this, this would have been the greatest class to ever take. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, which is basically the Pentateuch and the prophets, Old Testament, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. <laughs> We're going to sign up for that class, right? <clears throat> so they drew near to the village to which they were going, Emmaus. He acted as if he were going to go on a little further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening. It's already late. The day is now spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and he blessed and he broke it. And gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them 
gathered together saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. It's Peter. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. How does God defeat death? Death is our big enemy, right? It's the one that's going to get us all. It's our last enemy, so to speak. How does God defeat death? And it's a crazy story, I must tell you. Because it's appropriate to tell all the time, but especially in the face of death today. He does it by dying. Who would have guessed? To defeat death by dying. But one would say, and one must say, how in the world can God die? I mean, after all, God is spirit, and He is not matter. How could He die? And He can't, unless He becomes One of us. Unless he becomes human. And and this is, guys, this is the crazy story of the gospel. No, I'm telling you, you I'm not bragging when I say this. I just simply, I know other religious documents, texts, beliefs, more so than some of them do. And you know what? Nobody's telling this story. Nobody's saying that the very creator of all of the world has now become a character in his own story. I mean, it's kind of like the boys and I, we, we watched all the, the Marvel movies that we could, uh, I guess, over this last summer, I believe it was. And we always liked seeing Stan Lee, you know what I mean? Who is now passed on. Um, but he's the, he's the creator of Marvel. So all those characters we like and those storylines, you know, he's the creator, and yet we, we would love it, wouldn't we, Baylor? You remember? All of a sudden, Baylor would be like, there he is, because we'd be looking for him, you know, because he, he was known for these little cameos, which just simply means he'd pop up in the screen all of a sudden. It's like, hey, that's, that's actually the guy who created this thing. And you know what? When we get to the Gospels, all of a sudden, the guy who created this whole thing, I mean everything, is there. Conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And there he is, cradled in his mother's arms. A baby, fragile as any other baby you know, you know, guys, the little guys here, you know, when you hold a little baby, you're like, everybody's like, oh, oh, be careful. Now, be real careful, right? They had to be careful with God in the flesh. And he came just like all of us came into the world. We all were carried, were we not, by a woman into the world and born. And so was God. And if that's not crazy enough, then he lives a sinless life. We all live sinful lives. He, sinless. Because you see, there's 
There's a little secret with the virgin birth, which some of you, you'll have to learn about all that later. Be a great conversation. Wonderful. He bypassed Adam. You see, the scripture is very clear. Sin, even though committed first by Eve, comes through Adam's line. Because Adam is a sort of representative of the whole race. The scripture speaks about it as he's the head of the race of humanity. Just like if our president went and did something stupid and crazy, we'd all of a sudden find ourselves in a war. You say, well, I didn't do it. Right, but our representative did. And our representative sinned. But our representative, right or wrong, was not the only one to sin. I can raise my hand right before you now and say that I have. And the punishment for sin is death. And yet, the good news is that God becomes a human. And he says this. When you read the Gospels, what the Gospel writers are showing us is that the one who entered into our world can die for us. Why? I mean, what good is it if somebody dies for me or for my sins even? It means nothing if they're sinful. It's not a salvific or saving type of act. It's nice, you know, thoughtful, but can't save us. The only one who could save us is if they were both man because they could take on the punishment and God who could forgive sin. There's no other way. That's why He is the only way, you see. He doesn't just simply wave the wand to defeat death. Instead, He comes in the flesh and dies. He too, when His friend died, Lazarus, what did He do? It's the shortest Bible verse. The easiest one to remember, right? Jesus wept, right? That shows us that God grieves with us today. He is not some kind of philosophical, impassioned God, but rather filled with compassion and everlasting love. You know... um, Jack told me before I left, he, Jessica was there, he said, um, he said you know, Carrie, at her, at her last birthday, we got her a wheelbarrow. You know what I mean? And that's a, that's a very Carrie kind of gift to get. You know what I mean? She's very utilitarian. You know what I mean? Um, and he said she loved that, that dadgum wheelbarrow, you know, and, uh, and she was so excited to use it in the spring. Um, and she, because she loved to garden, Right? So she actually liked to piddle around in the garden and all that kind of stuff. And some of us like to do that. And some of us may not be good at it. We just like what's growing in our yard, you know, or how it looks. And, um, and so she, she piddled around in the garden. And I thought, I thought about today and I thought about what I was going to be preaching on. And I thought about 
our gardener. Who is the creator, right? I mean, in the beginning, right? I mean, I know the kids can help me out today since they're in here. I like having you guys in here. Is, is, right, the garden of Eden, right? Yeah. Which is just to say kind of this perfect garden that God planted and placed humans in, right? He's like... This is all for you. It's like, it's like somebody building a house for you and you kind of come in and it's like, I, I, I made this for you and I thought you'd like this and I, and I knew you'd like these animals. And, and, and if you know Carrie, the thing Jack was worried about most today was taking care of those horses, getting those dogs fed. She loved her critters as she called them. You know what? God likes his critters. He likes his creatures. He likes all the stuff he created. And he created it for us to enjoy truth, goodness, beauty in the Garden of Eden. He's our gardener. And yet, we turned away from him, didn't we? We trusted in another. We said thanks but no thanks to the one who had done all of that for us. And the Bible's very clear. When they ate of the fruit, the language is exactly this. Their eyes were opened. You say, well, that sounds like a good thing, right? To shame and nakedness. And they began to hide from each other. Remember, from God, even. Is he coming? And he calls for him, doesn't he? He's like, what, what are you doing? This is an open place. It's beautiful. You know, this is a time where we meet. Well, we did something. And from that point on, we've been hiding from each other. Hiding from God. Filled with shame. But that's not the end of the story, is it? That's not the, the story doesn't just end there. No, instead, instead, we see another garden. If you can picture this with me, you'll got, you guys will know about this. Lent is coming up, isn't it? Very, very soon. We're going to have our Ash Wednesday service very soon. Forty days, six Sundays, and then we'll be at this point where it's Holy Week. And at Holy Week, Jesus goes and he prays where? Do you remember? He prays in a garden. Don't let that be lost upon you. That's on purpose. He, he literally goes out from the mill and prays in a garden. And he wrestles that night. You remember, he's, he's distraught like what some of what we're feeling. And he prays and says, not my will, but thine. He doesn't pray it just once. He doesn't pray it just twice, but three times. And he gets up from there and is arrested and taken away and all of this. And then there's more good news. Because isn't there another garden? Have you not heard? Remember, the women go to see Jesus and there's, there's this one, Mary. And she's in the garden and she says, what have you done to my Lord's body? 
You stole it? Talking to who she thought was the gardener. Right? And he says, Mary. He calls her name. He doesn't say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not the gardener, because he is the gardener. And then it says something very interesting in the text. And in your reading for the week, if you want to do it, it's there. It says, she worshipped him. That's the only response to Jesus is to worship him. Because he is Lord. Lord is a confession, probably the greatest confession we make as Christians. He is Lord. He's Lord over everything. He's Lord over death. Why? Because he's already defeated death. That's why. And yes, we will die, but we don't have to die again, which is the second death, which is hell. We have eternal life, and we will be resurrected. My pappy loved his garden. And you know what? God loves gardening, but not just plants people. He's growing each and every one of you. And and I wish we could just sort of see what kind of seeds he's planting in your own life, in these precious kids' lives right here. The youth that we have, the students that we have in this church, the older people to the middle-aged people to the younger people, he's wanting to plant some things. I wonder today if, if we could hear him call our name. Mary, she immediately recognized him. Did you catch what happens when he breaks the bread here? Let me just read it to you again. Luke 24, 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us? Hear this. While we talked with him on the road while he opened the scriptures to us. They rose that very hour and left to be about his business. Why? Because of this right here. This is crazy. It says in verse 31, when he broke the bread, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. In the garden, first garden, our eyes were closed because of sin and disobedience. And death was introduced to the world, and it's never right. It never feels right. It's not right. Something's wrong with the world. And God does something about it. What does he do? He comes as a little baby, grows up as a boy, as a teenager, and then as an adult. For three years, he's an itinerant preacher, living a sinless life, Preaching that the kingdom of God is actually breaking into our world. It's not that that we're trying to climb up to get to heaven somehow, but rather that his kingdom is breaking into this place even this morning. If we could see it by faith, if we'd receive it by faith, breaking into our lives. And then he dies, which is always tragic and tough and terrible. But then, he bodily resurrects. And when he meets with this group on the road to Emmaus, when he breaks the bread, which we do here often, to remember our Lord, 
their eyes were open and they recognized him. You don't have to be blind. You don't have to be blinded by your shame or your guilt or your nakedness and covering yourself today. What better day than today to give your heart to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. I need your help. That's why he came. Have you seen the risen Lord? I have. Not just with these eyes, but with the eyes of faith. I've heard him call my name. And I will stay the course all the way to the end. I'm in it all the way. All my chips, if I'm playing the game of poker, are on the table, right? I just taught the boys how to, how to play a little bit. But we, we didn't really have, we were playing with checkers pieces, but we didn't really have enough money either. But I told them what it means to be all in, right? We have a saint of God that just this morning, her faith in Jesus was realized. Face to face with our Lord. What better day to say, you know what? Sign me up. I'm all in. Done playing around. Done with mediocrity. If your heart's been stirred at all this morning, if there's even been a bit of a flicker of flame, that's the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He's calling some of you to things that I could have never dreamed of. You could never dream of. But it's His work. If you'll say yes, He'll do far abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Yeah, the enemy's coming against us. This church, but you know what? God is greater. It's, it's really simple. One little word shall fail him. That's like one of my favorite all-time lines from any hymn I've ever heard in my life. One little word. What is that word? It's Jesus. Anybody want to say that with me? Jesus. And when we call on him, we're, not, we're calling on a king that is above all kings. One who is already passed from death to life forevermore. It's where we place our hope today. This is the Jesus that Carrie knew, that I know, and that we as a church want everybody to know, the world to know. I don't know how people do it without Jesus. They shouldn't. They mustn't. We need to be about his business Rise this very hour and get busy with his business. Don't wait another moment. Listen for his call, for he is calling every single one of you. Say, no, not me. Yes, you. I don't know what it is. I have no clue. I can't keep up with even my own people sometimes. But I know he's calling because he loves you more than you can imagine. We can take hope in that, can't we? I will.
Jesus has conquered death by dying so that death does not have the final word. He does. He's the victor. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.